0: Hello and welcome to this American Thoracic Society Pulmonary Rehabilitation Assembly podcast. My name's Alex Jenkins and I'm a respiratory researcher at the University of Nottingham in the UK. Today I'm joined by Dr. Arwal Jones, who's a research fellow at the University of Lincoln, also in the UK. And today we're going to be talking around respiratory disease and exercise immunology. Dr. Arwal Jones's background mainly revolves around Exercise as a form of reducing exacerbation risk in respiratory diseases, with a particular focus on how exercise affects the immune system. So, firstly, I'd like to ask Arwa, what does the field of exercise immunology entail, and how is it developed over the years?
1: Okay, Alex. So, um, exercise immunology is a, a subdiscipline of, of exercise uh, science, or more specifically, exercise uh, physiology. Um, and it's, and it's also to do with the relationship between exercise, immune function and infection risk, um, broadly speaking. I guess in terms of how it's developed over the years, there was some reports of interest in, in how exercise that influenced the immune system probably around 100 years ago. But I think in terms of um, the emergence of the discipline, it wasn't until the 1990s that people started to look at um, Um, exercise and and how exercise impacted on the immune system, and and particularly what caused that interest was this belief that respiratory tract infections were more common in people who undertook endurance or extreme endurance exercise. Uh, Particularly, you know, some epidemiological evidence suggested that there's about a two to six-fold increase in respiratory tract infection in those who undertook uh, marathons or such extreme endurance events. And I think since then, there has been just a, a huge say, exponential increase in the amount of studies that's been carried out in exercise immunology, and particularly really around wh- whether it's acute or chronic exercise in an experimental setting to see how, how exercise does affect the immune system. I think in terms of you know, the current state of play, we've probably come around nearly full, full circle where, where now people are kind of revisiting this, this belief that, But exercise does impact on infection risk and this really um, question of whether exercise and increasing infection risk perhaps the symptoms are nothing to do with infection risk and could be related to other let's say non-infectious causes.
0: Great so that's a nice little background on the field of exercise immunology in general. Um, So exercise immunology is clearly a growing field whether it's in respiratory diseases or other chronic diseases and general health populations as well. So what's the feeling in the exercise immunology community about the potential direction of the field in years to come? Where where is it heading?
1: Personally, I I think as as a subdiscipline of exercise science, particularly in the context of uh, respiratory disease, the interest pretty much is, is is around how exercise could be a anti-inflammatory intervention or how it could be a immune modulatory intervention in these populations. Um, but there's also of course, I guess across different areas in exercise immunology. I think if you were to label yourself as a exercise immunologists, you tend to have your own sub within exercise immunology that you, you might have particularly interest in. Certainly across all of these, there's this recognition of, of omics technologies and the ability of, of such technologies as methylomics, proteomics, to perhaps really take a a wider snapshot of all the parameters that might be involved in in, in protecting us from from the state of immunity. So there's a really understanding of how we can use this new technology to try to better understand um, our immune system, but particularly how exercise can influence such a system.
0: So with that in mind then, what what, what is the rationale for Using and applying the field of exercise immunology and respiratory diseases, where um, patients are probably more more susceptible to infection. Case of, do we need to learn more about this field? Is it something that's really important and a pressing matter?
1: Personally, I would say it's it, it. It really combines two particular key areas in in the field of of COPD, and and, and one of which, of course, is uh, COPD exacerbations. Which, of course, if you speak to 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 perhaps people who live with um, COPD, then, of course, such an event is a, a particularly important thing in their life, and it's one thing they try to avoid at all costs. And, of course, it does have impact on, on healthcare services too. And then the other, of course, important area, particularly, again, again from, say, a bias point of view, is is exercise physiology or pulmonary rehabilitation, exercise in the management of of, of chronic lung conditions. So, the, the rationale, or let's say, what, what triggered my interest, particularly in, in this particular area of research, is if we consider that uh, exercise immunology is all to do with how exercise uh, impacts on immune function and infection risk, well, we know that in people who suffer frequent exacerbations, they seem to have altered immunity and this susceptibility to recurrent infection. So, of course, it really does start to, to make you think how exercise immunology has a, has a role to play in in the management of of exacerbations in COPD, and we're just starting to learn, I think, from from both the clinical um, data point of view, but also from a research setting, that exercise uh, treatment in the form of pulmonary rehabilitation can reduce the incidence of exacerbations. So, of course, tying all those two areas together, it's, it's, it's how can exercise perhaps Um, affect such outcomes and I don't think as of yet we really understand that um, too well and that's where the field of exercise immunology comes in. And um, so kind of
0: nicely leading on from that really is what evidence is there currently in the field of respiratory disease? So um, I believe it's pretty much in asthma and COPD. Uh, There's not much evidence, I don't believe, in the interstitial lung diseases. But what's the current state of play in terms of what we know about immune responses to exercise in these respiratory diseases? And is there a difference between asthma and COPD responses?
1: Yes, that's a great question. I think my, my honest answer is that we still have a limited amount of evidence to know enough about how exercise affects immunity in both asthma um, and in COPD. I, I think the broad point relating to this is that of course asthma and COPD they, they well do differ in terms of how they respond to exercise certainly from an uh, immunity point of view but of course even within both asthma and COPD you do have um, specific phenotypes again which might respond differently to another phenotype even though they're they fall under, let's say, the umbrella of, of asthma or COPD. So I, I think in terms of, let's say, evidence to date, we probably know more in asthma than we do in COPD, but that's not necessarily saying there's more human evidence. That's just to say that because of, let's say, there might be more um, animal models of allergic asthma, that a lot of exercise studies have been in, in, in that scenario. And, and we've seen, let's say, responses of anti-inflammatory Um, properties but also new modulatory properties of exercise in asthma but of course you've got to bear in mind that the fact that the inflammation particularly involved in asthma may not always be the same pathophysiology involved in COPD but there's certainly um, some similarities when we think about exercise and anti inflammatory intervention so if you you do look at the limited evidence in both COPD and asthma there is some evidence out there that exercise can reduce uh, levels of uh, circulatory um, inflammatory um, cytokines or let's say broad agents such as CRP which are seen in both in asthma and in COPD.
0: And so in terms of the inflammatory responses that you see to exercise, what, what are the typical immune responses you'd expect to see um, in terms of acute and chronic responses to exercise and how do these differ between healthy and diseased populations?
1: So the real the real answer to this is it is it depends. Um not only if you like on whether the person is a is healthy or you know, with a particular diagnosis of a condition, but also in terms of their nutritional status, their um their hydration levels, their you know, their sleeping pattern, all, all these things are p- are potential factors which can influence, let's say, a, a typical immune response to to, to exercise. I think Of course, depending on which condition that you look at, there might be some responses which you may expect to see more in in, in others, but there are some, let's say, classical responses that you do see um, in the immune system in response to acute exercise. And that's largely related to, let's say, a leukocyte trafficking. So in in other words, a shift in the type or number of um, cells of the immune system in the circulation and also within different tissues. Um, you would expect, let's say, from a bout of exercise, that you do see an increase in the number of white blood cells of the immune system in the blood uh, following that bout of exercise. How much that increase really depends on the duration and the intensity of the bout of exercise. With, let's say, prolonged exercise, particularly of a a higher intensity, you tend to see larger increases in cells such as um, blood neutrophils, compared to, let's say, more short-term, moderate exercise bouts. Also, if you, if, let's say, look beyond, let's say, some of the blood neutrophils, which are aspects of the innate immune system, and look at the more specific arm of our immune system, and look at cells such as T cells and, and such cells in the immune system, then you tend to see, particularly after prolonged exercise, that such cells may actually go down in number uh, following exercise, particularly related to a change in let's say, levels of adrenaline or cortisol in the circulation following exercise. But I, what I would say is that there's not only a change in number, there is a change in the type of cells that you see within the blood and, let's say, migrating to other, to other tissues, so particularly in the in, in, in T-cells population.
0: Yeah, I think it's a, a really complex area to try and work with because um, there's many factors which are all interlinking and then you've got factors such as nutrition which have highlighted Um, which can also impact the results, which I'm guessing makes these studies very hard to design and actually undertake, because there's factors which are going to be very hard to control for. So in terms of the long run, um, can you see exercise being introduced maybe as an anti-inflammatory therapy for certain populations? So could it be one where it's targeted as an anti-inflammatory intervention in those who may have higher systemic inflammation at rest?
1: I'd like to think so. I can appreciate that currently we may have uh, limited evidence to, let's say, support such a move in in clinical guideline recommendations and and so on, but I think it's possible in the future for us to see interventions such as exercise, pulmonary rehab being targeted towards those which have, let's say, what we'd call treatable traits or particular um, phenotypes, which have high inflammation and so on, where exercise could feasibly um, target. Um, I, I think personally, what I'd like to see in the future is within these clinical guidelines, where you often see, you know, particularly in COPD, if they suffer with recurrent, uh, frequent exacerbations, that we try phosphodiesterase inhibitors. We might try long-term antibiotic treatments what I'd like to see is if we can try to incorporate such interventions as exercise um, to try and target properties such as, you know, systemic inflammation in these uh, populations. I, I totally get that um, we are not at a stage up to date where we could, you know, try and do this, given the fact that we're still in the early stage of exercise immunology and COPD, but I can certainly see based upon the evidence we've seen so far, that exercise could be something that we could try and prescribe to, to people um, who are suffering from frequent exacerbations related to high levels of, of inflammation. I think um, the one thing to to point out here, of course, is which you often see in some clinical guidelines is that what we try to do is to, to get some of the essentials, the, the, the basics right in management of people with COPD. So it could be smoking cessation, it could be um, referral to pulmonary rehabilitation, but, but why can't we also see exercise and pulmonary have further up in the chain and particularly for these um, cohorts who tend to have these frequent exacerbations.
0: Yeah, again, I I think it it raises a a lot of questions um, of how we get this field developing because personally, I I feel it's a very important area that we learn more about the mechanisms of exercise in reducing exacerbations when the evidence is there for that, um, but we just don't know the mechanisms. I think as I alluded to previously, that the, tri- the designing of trials are going to be immensely difficult. And I think what some listeners, um, in particular potential healthcare professionals, will be saying is that chronic respiratory diseases are not often isolated diseases when they come with the development of many comorbidities. So they might be thinking, well, how does this exercise impact on some of these? Is it more the comorbidities, which might be a factor in the inflammatory response to exercise and whether that's actually carrying a heavy weight in how they respond to the exercise
1: yeah you're absolutely right it's uh, particularly let's say in trials with people with COPD or let's say non-chemical diseases it's it's, it's often seen that they have uh, other conditions at the same time and I I think t- to, to be honest with you it, it I wouldn't say it's completely impossible but it's 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 very difficult to sometimes distinguish um, the effects of exercise on one condition compared, compared to the other. And I think the classic example, certainly in the context of respiratory disease are, are those patients who may have a comorbidity of obesity, um, certainly both in asthma and in COPD. There is evidence of course of, of exercise reducing um, levels of inflammation in both of these populations. But there's also, let's say, say, been a decrease in body mass index or weight circumference, which, of course, are parameters that are used to measure obesity. So it's, it's quite difficult to know whether exercise is having a direct effect on the immune system or is it possibly through an indirect effect on some of these comorbidities such as obesity. But I guess... From a clinical point of view, then it it might not matter so much. So I guess you still get in the same outcome in the end, which is of, of benefit to the to the individual in question. But of course from a scientific point of view, which of course um, as exercise scientists we're also interested in is that what we try to do is to limit the impact of these um, comorbidities on the impact of the study where possible. But I totally appreciate that. It's sometimes not possible to do this, but I think in that case, sometimes we have to exclude some of these conditions where we may think um, they they will interfere with, with the outcomes of of the studies but ultimately, I can also see from the other point of view that that then means that some of the evidence may not be directly translatable to real life practice but i think yeah this this seems to be um, a need for for middle ground somewhere on which but I think at least in the initial studies for for excelemology and COPD, we need to try to have these studies as controlled as possible to really understand the impact of the exercise.
0: Yeah, it seems to be a real minefield, really, in terms of um, getting that balance between having a scientifically sound research study, but then also not losing that applicability to what's been seen in the real world. Um, and that balance, I think, in this setting will be very hard to, to strike. And... Um, so also factoring in, the immune system is very complex and it forms in many different compartments. So um, how does the immune response differ between different compartments of interest? So, for example, you've got systemic inflammation, airway inflammation, and there's also inflammatory responses within the muscle. So
1: I think the first thing to say um, here is that Exercise do, does differ in terms of response in these compartments, but also these compartments um, also have different parts of the immune system within them, such as resident cells or other parameters of the immune system. From a let's say an exercise immunologist point of view, what we're often encouraged is to try to to remember that the immune system is a is an integrated and also highly coordinated system, which all which all of these compartments, if you like, talk to one another. So given that this system is so complex, it's actually built uh, a lot of redundancy within it. So the the often um, limitation with some studies is that once you've measured um, a particular parameter in a particular compartment is is how can you be certain that that particular parameter really has a a huge impact or let's say a clinically meaningful impact on the host. So what we try to do really is to try to think about particular measurements which we can do which can integrate all these compartments together. And and one such view is to actually use in vivo measurements of immunity. And by that, what you're trying to do, of course, is to test the immune system within its own environment as opposed to taking blood samples, muscle biopsies and and test the immune system in that way. And and a classical uh, example I can give you of of, of that really is, uh, is the influenza vaccination where there are studies which they have, let's say, provided exercise on an acute basis or a chronic basis prior to the receipt of an influenza vaccination, and then measured, of course, the the readouts that you can get from the immune system following the influenza vaccination, such as, you know, influenza-specific immune cells. It could be antibodies in response to the immune cells, and see how that could um, be uh, a way to assess the effects of exercise. The other positive of that, of course, is that we know that the influenza vaccination as a response is, of course, clinically meaningful. So if you get an improvement in your response to the uh, flu vaccination, that generally will mean you have a better response to the the flu vaccination. The the only limitation to that particular type of uh, in vivo measurement is that particularly in, let's say, a population like COPD, there will be some resident memory of the influenza vaccination because they may as well have had influenza vaccinations in the past so actually what you're not testing is a primary immune response you could be actually testing a secondary tertiary immune response to a to a, a challenge to the immune system
0: that's great, thank you for that insight. So as we bring this podcast to a close, um, I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions really um, to summarise. So what do you feel the potential is for exercise as an anti-inflammatory therapy in chronic respiratory disease and what needs to be done to highlight the importance of exercise immunology um, in chronic respiratory disease?
1: I think we need exactly that. If, if 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 I'm being honest with you, it's a case of we need more people to highlight the important role, or let's say the the potential role that exercise immunology can have in the management of of chronic respiratory disease, or at least increasing our understanding of the management of chronic respiratory disease. I think probably what we need is um, a few brave, uh, persistent people who are continuing to write grant applications and to try to undertake work in this particular field. I guess we also need the funding agents to actually understand that exercise can have an impact on the immune system, and particularly in the context of the management of chronic disease. I think I've had too many conversations, whether it to be people who are conducting cell-based research, the basic scientists, or even, let's say, right towards the other end of the translational pipeline and clinicians, healthcare professionals who are actually delivering interventions, you know, too many conversations amongst all of these different groups who are just not aware of the impact that exercise can have on the immune system or, let's say, its relationship with the immune system. So we just need a bit better, better awareness. But of course, that awareness will only come from, from more research study. And we just need um, more more research studies. I guess that's often a, a phrase we'll use at the end of any research study that we need need more research, but particularly in this field where we have got a lot of studies on exercise uh, and immunity in a healthy population, but not so much in a chronic disease populations. So we, until we do those studies, we won't necessarily understand the difference between the response to exercise in a healthy context or, let's say, in a, in a disease context. I think the difficulty in terms of conducting those particular studies is the, some of the things we've already spoken about today is, is offsetting the the impact that other factors within the individual in question, might impact on the outcomes, such as comorbidities, hydration status, nutrition status, sleep, all these potential things that can impact on the immune system. But the only way we can do that is by conducting controls and repeatable um, studies, probably con- um, starting off from an exercise laboratory. And the reason why I say that is, is, is again, because we, we may also have a tighter control on the, the dose of the exercise, whether it's the duration or the intensity. Of course, if you, if you conduct tests or assessments in the field, of course, it will have applicable evidence to clinical practice, but it sometimes it is quite difficult for us to then control the actual dose of exercise to understand really how, how much exercise has an impact on, on, on immune system CBD patients. And, and if we modif- modify that from its components from, you know, frequency, intensity, and duration, um, what impact does that have on our overall outcomes? What i would encourage, and it's something that I'm increasingly trying to do is is just to collaborate. And this particular area of exercise immunology, the benefit of working in that field is you often collaborate with other disciplines. And certainly if we think about exercise immunology and chronic respiratory disease, we need exercise scientists, physiotherapists talking to let's say immunologists. We need immunologists and exercise scientists talking to the clinicians. essentially to try and design these studies to outweigh the potential limitations you might find with certain comorbidities, control them where possible, but also, of course, have or use immunological outcomes, which are not only going to increase understanding of the disease, but also have some meaningful in terms of understanding the impact in terms of infection risk and exacerbations for people with COPD.
0: That's great, yes. So, That's kind of actually answered the last question I was going to ask you, which was about what factors, um, what are the most important factors that we need to consider when designing clinical trials? But I think, you know, we've kind of listed the the majority there in terms of controlling the exercise itself um, so that we can measure the dose response, also looking at nutrition status, looking at physical activity status, so are those who are more active before they come into the lab? Is their immune response different to someone who hasn't done any exercise before coming into the lab setting and doing exercise? So I think that you've kind of demonstrated throughout this podcast really that there is a big potential for research and translatable findings in this field which could have huge potential cost savings really from using exercise as a therapy more so than medication um, I think that's obviously a lot longer down a lot further down the line um, but also I think we've kind of demonstrated here the challenges of what this kind of research really involves so I think working collaboratively like you said is the the best way to go and making sure that you've got a multidisciplinary team when uh, un- undertaking these trials. So before we kind of finished, was was there anything you'd like like to add at all? our do, or do you feel that we've kind of covered the uh, all the main topics of interest in relation to exercise immunology and respiratory disease?
1: Yeah, I think I'd just just like to um, add the the potential, you know, f- further information if you like, or or collaborations that one could seek if if you were particularly interested in in conducting exercise immunology studies um after hearing this podcast and and particularly if you were new to let's say the the term of exercise immunology we actually have got some 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 networks um whether it's within your country or actually internationally that are you know everyone who attends is has a specific interest in exercise immunology so we do have the International Society of Exercise Immunology, which of course is across the world, and there is an annual congress every uh, two years where you know, cr- across the world there are people conducting exercise immunology studies. Um, so it would be worthwhile checking that particular uh, network out to see whether you could potentially uh, visit a congress at some point to understand what are the potential research questions being undertaken in the field of exercise immunology at the moment. If you're from the UK, there's also a recently established network of, you know, the UK Society of Exercise Immunology. Again, with this mind of trying to um, establish a network of like-minded exercise immunologists uh, across all sorts of disciplines. Of course, my interest is is a respiratory disease, but you will find people there who are undertaking exercise immunologies uh, with athletes, with, you know, cardiac populations, chronic kidney disease populations, all these different kinds of populations. But, of course, everyone is there with, it, with an interest of exercise immunology. And I think, I've, of course, I've, I've mentioned across this podcast that, you know, there is careful consideration of what types of outcomes you might select when it comes to designing clinical trials of inflammatory responses, immune responses to exercise. I would encourage you to look at um, the position statements that, um, have been published in the Exercise Immunology Review Journal um, almost 10 years ago now, but that gives you a real good insight in terms of the types of outcomes that have been tried and tested so far in the area of the exercise immunology. And particularly of of importance here is the case that they've also graded them from a a point of view of how clinically meaningful the results are. So you can really look at those and see um, the balance of what, might be the outcomes you're interested in, your particular condition, and also from literature so far, does the particular readouts have any meaningful impact on um, understanding the immune system?
0: Fantastic. So I believe that brings us to the close of uh, another ATS podcast. So um, firstly, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and listening, and we hope you found this podcast useful. Um, please keep an eye out for future activities undertaken by the Pulmonary Rehabilitation Assembly uh, web committee, so whether that be our monthly journal clubs, our quarterly bite, and also our podcast that we'll be releasing in the near future. And finally, I'd just like to thank doctor Arwal Arwell-Jones for taking the time out to open all our eyes to the field of exercise immunology and respiratory disease and kind of point us in the right direction of where we need to go. So, so thank you, Arwell, and thank you to everyone for listening.